Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome. Happy Wednesday, episode 729 of Coach Unplugged, part 2 with Coach Walsh. Um, before we jump into this podcast, I give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Easy to use. Most technolo- The technology behind this machine is unbelievable. They've got everything you want. If you want to become a shooter, you've got to shoot. And Dr. Dish is the answer. Mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Like, like I was saying um, yesterday, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the last, last six months. We all had a lot of time. I spent my time trying to make this site as most efficient as I could and easiest to use for coaches, um, not only to make them better coaches. And I think, I think our office hours and our one-on-one calls and our community is able to do that. But I was trying to narrow down, hey, I need out-of-bounds plays. Boom, you can go here. Oh, wait, I want to know it's preseason. What do I need to do preseason? Boom, you go here. I have tried to make it the most efficient coaching, basketball coaching website on the market. Go over and check it out. Before prices increase, you're going to want to do that. Go check it out, www.teachhoops.com. Um, if you go over to the members area, you can see what, what you can roughly see what everyone has access to. You won't be able to get into the meat and potatoes, but you can see all the different things that we offer. Um, if there's anything missing, we will put it in there for you too. Go over and check it out. Let's head off to the podcast. They probably have more talent than we did overall right. in terms of high level talent, but we had a better team. Right. We had a number of guys that, that played so well. And it was the same thing at the national tournament. Nobody picked us to win it. We go in there and win. But anyway, right. Um, so we, we end up winning three national championships there in nine years. Um, the last three years there, I was the head coach. And then many coaches go through. Uh, there was a booster or boosters who felt that I wasn't the right guy for the job. Right. They didn't feel like I was the, the right person for the, to be the head coach there to lead them into what they, you know, and part of that is because they become that expectation to become national championships. 
Right. And I didn't win a national championship. And the other part about it, and, and this is, I think it's so important for these young guys, especially to understand, it was my fault too, because I made some mistakes. And the thing, my, my, my disadvantage, and I hear people talk about this all the time. My disadvantage was I was at a, I was at a program or in a program where you couldn't make mistakes. You know, if you start as a freshman coach, you can make mistakes. You take a head coaching job at some obscure school who's never won. You can, you can learn and make mistakes along the way, and it doesn't really matter a whole lot. I didn't have that luxury. No. So so I'll use a couple of analogies. It, the next person to be the Duke coach, you don't get to make any mistakes. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. zero. Next Michigan, I, the ne- next Michigan State coach, you get to make zero mistakes. Yeah. Next Villanova coach. I mean, that's just a job you're taking. You better realize yep, that. Absolutely. President Obama was a prime example of that. I, I, I'm, I like history. He's a prime example. First African-American president. He could make zero mistakes. Right, exactly. Because he was going to be, he was representing for future years. He could do zero wrong and he knew it. Like I've read books that he knew he could do nothing wrong. Exactly right. Or it was going to haunt the the country for hundreds of years after that. So it's like you have to realize what you're walking yourself into. Absolutely. (laughs) So, so, you know, that was the thing. So, that was it. And I, and I, you know, again, self-evaluation, I think is very important. I think you constantly have to self-evaluate um, what you did well, what you did poorly, what you bring. And that was the, here's, and here's the thing. I'm going to get this. I'm going to finish the story. And that's, and and that's hard for young coaches to self-evaluate. You got to look yourself in the mirror. Well, and yeah. I, you know what? And I, and, and, and I don't mean this to be meanly and it's a generalization, but all the young coaches, they know everything. <laughs> I know. I, you know, and so <laughs> self-evaluation is hard when you know everything. I did it. Sarcastic, but. It's, it's um, not true. It's like, I, if I, if I, oh my God, it, when I, when I was in the hate, we were in state time. I knew everything. I knew everything. I don't know anything. And I've been coaching for 30 plus years. Oh, yeah. I know nothing. Like, I feel like I know less than I did 30 years ago. Well, like, I think, I think it's, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, it is, it's funny. Cause you, you have you, the transformation is amazing, but the one thing, so anyway, they came in, and, and, and when I took the job, they made some changes in our setup. They took away my assistant coaches and things like that. And, I mean, we had assistant coaches, but they weren't full-time. They didn't have a job like I had when I was the assistant coach. Right. And, of course, we as coaches, too, were stubborn. And, you know, That's okay. We'll just outwork it. We'll get it done. We'll do it. Right. And I remember telling my boss, you know, it was like, well, you know, we expect you to do this, this, and this. We, You know, you're the athletic director, so, you know, that's the number one priority. And, and I and – I, Respect. I said, I understand all that. I said, you know what? We're gonna. I'm gonna do everything you asked me to do, and expect of me. But I'm gonna right. tell you right now, the community is not gonna be happy. And so anyway, and you know, we weren't terrible. We don't. We, I won. We won sixty percent, sixty something percent of our games, which obviously is not good when you go thirty-seven and one and thirty-four and two to win national championship. Right. It wasn't good enough. Did you see, see it coming? Did you see it coming? You know, I didn't see it coming until all of a sudden I have some friends at Hutch and they're going, "Hey, your name's all over the place down here." Now, what do you mean? They're like, "You're gone." you're going to be gone. You're out. And I'm like, well, that's funny because nobody backtracked at the moment. I didn't know it was, I had gone to some people on campus to talk to them about some things, improvements in our gym. And they said, well, we want you to hand up, hold off and going talking to so-and-so. Well, that was the one of the people that actually was behind it. So then after, after the fact, I put it all together. But, and so she came in and said, we'd like you to resign. And I said, well, and she goes, you know, and we're going to pay your contract out and everything, but we want you to, I said, well, I'm not going to resign. And she goes, well, take a couple of days and think about it. We know the final four is coming up. So we wanted to let you know now. So you can go down there if you need to go get in our job. I said, well, if you're asking me to resign, I probably need to go get in our job. Told her, I said, I'm not resigning because I'll tell you what. I said, resigning is a form of quitting. I talk to my players. I've talked to my players every year of my career about never quitting and always 
doing everything you can. I'm not quitting on them. So anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks later, they come, she comes back and she says, no, I haven't changed my mind. I said, so you do what you have to do. You just, so anyway, you know, they choose to not renew my contract. Obviously those, those months were dark in the aspect of. Was it hard to, was it, was it hard to find a job then? You know, it was. It was hard, um, I guess, and more importantly, probably the kind of job I wanted. Let's put it that way. Right, okay. Um, it was hard, um, partly because, you know, the community I was in was a community of about 30,000 people, 20, 20 30,000 people. Well, everybody knew who you were. You couldn't go anywhere without them knowing what had just happened. Right. And the last thing I wanted to do was talk to anybody about it. Right. So I kind of, I hold myself, I hold myself up. I went and worked out every day. Um, went to the library every day, and that's about all I did. Um, and then a good friend of mine called me and uh, offered me a job. He'd been trying to get me to come work for him for a couple of years when I was an assistant uh, at Eastern Arizona College in a little small town called, called Thatcher, Arizona. Okay. So I go work for him. So was it I, hard to go from head to assistant? It was in some aspects. The one thing I thought, I, I still think, I still think every guy should do it. Um, well, no. Let me rephrase that. I think that if you have to make the change, it makes you a better assistant coach because you know what the head coach is thinking. Right. You think you still think like a head coach. So I think it's an advantage as an assistant coach. Now, okay. it is hard sometimes not being the guy in charge, but I think it helps you in your relationship with the head coach because he know you've been, he knows he's been you've been in his seat. Right. And and so for me. All my, all my years since then, I think I've been a pretty good assistant coach because I know what that guy's thinking. I have, I have a different mentality in terms of work ethic and expectations and how things need to be done um, as opposed to just doing them. Right. You know, I think there's some guys just do things to get them done for a coach. Right. Or some people uh, are meticulous in, and make sure it's – because I'll, every time I do something, I go – would you be okay with this as a head coach? Would you accept this? What would you think that, you know? Right. You know, and I go through, I, I'm paranoid. I go through like five times to make sure I spelled every word right. And right. things like that. You know what I mean? Right. So it wasn't hard for me, but I think part of that is because of my, I think my, my, I'm wired that way or it's more, it's about the team. It's about teamwork as opposed to about me. Right. So right. I think that helps. And there's some guys, and you know, you know, guys, the head coach, he's an egomaniac. It's about him, you know? And so, and I, again, there's guys like that, but we're all uh, wired differently. It's okay. Right, right. So I go there. We have a very good team. And ironically, one of my guys that I coached at Southeastern, a lot of my guys at Southeastern left when I left. They went to other places. Well, one of them actually went to Eastern Arizona. So two months later, three months later, I come there. So I get to coach one of my former guys. But we have a good team. And right after Christmas, my boss gets fired for some things that okay. uh, really aren't, aren't important. Um, but he gets fired, so I become the interim coach. It's one of the worst things that ever happened because he was one of my good friends. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. During that move, and when I got there, all I did was self-evaluate. Every day I'd have a piece of paper and I'd write down things that I thought I did wrong, things I did well. But then also, then I would write things down, seeing what he did and some of the things we did. And I'd write down, hey, next time we're going to do this. 
So I had, it was a great opportunity for me to self-evaluate as an assistant coach and right. before I had a job. We become an interim head coach. We have a, we have a good year. We, we, we lose, we don't win the, we don't win the uh, conference. We lose the last game of the year. And this is something that, this is one of the things I thought that, that there was a couple of things that, that that situation or that experience for me did for me. Um, by character and by nature, I had always been a very impatient person. Um, and at times, it reflected on the bench. I would get impatient with my players. Right. And as we all know, that can affect the player. It can. That year, that year really helped me with that. Because um, especially early when taking over, you really had to be composed with these kids because they were so fragile. Right. They just lost their guy that had been their guy for months, some of them two years. Right. It's so, middle. Of, it's not like they had time to, to yeah, adjust with it off, exactly. the off season. And, and, and it happens like we're, we just get back from Christmas. You know, we're, we, we're getting ready to watch film before practice and he doesn't show up. And I'm like, what? Well, it's not like him. So the other assistant, they go, hey, Anthony, go see where coach. He goes over and comes back and says, well, hey, coach, coach is his door shut. And so anyway, and then as we're going along, we, we, we lose, we lose our, our first or second game after it happens. We lose. We lost to a team that we were, we were better and we were poor defensively. And I held myself accountable for that. But then we put a run together. We started, we, we put it together. But late in the year, we go to a place and we're not playing well. We're losing the entire game, but they can't ever separate themselves from us. We're still always right there. And I turn to my assistant and I just say, we got to just continue to be positive with these guys because they're not running away from us. So late in the game, four or five minutes to go in the game, we're still down. I don't know, and that was my message. They go, fellas, they're, they're giving you the opportunity to win the game. We just have to go win the game. They're starting to turn it over. We're starting to make them do some things they weren't doing before. They're not as we're, – we're taking away offense now. And so, for me, that really helped me because I, I, I turned how I handle that situation. Because right. before, I would get into them sometimes and, 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 and almost be emotional when I coached them as opposed to now being very calm and positive. And so, that was a good – that really helped me as a coach. Now, I think other, that emotion part is big. Um, it really is. It is, I, and I think it, part of that is age too. I think. I think. I think you're right. I think it, as we <laughs> as we age, we we come. I, I watch guys now and go, God, I hope I never look like that. You know. I mean, seriously. Right. But and so then we go and play the last game of the year for the conference championship on the road, and we lose. The same thing. We we kind of we hover. We hang around. We're never. We don't play well. They come out blisterous. And I, we're walking. We In Arizona, it's interesting because, you know, we actually walked out of the gym and walked outside to get to our locker right. in a different building. As we're walking there, I turned to my assistant um, and I said, Anthony, we're going to go home next week and we're going to play the first round of this tournament, the regional tournament. And then we're going to come back here and we're going to win. And he looked at me and what? He goes, coach, they've never won here. I said, you know what? We are. We are. I said, you planted it. They gave us. They gave us our best shot. I said, and with two minutes to go in the game, we were there. We had a chance to win the game, even though they gave us their best shot and we did not play well. We competed, but we didn't play well. I said, we're going to win. And so I walk in the locker room, and that's the only thing I say to our players, fellas. We're coming back in one week, and we're going to win here. That's what we're going to do. We didn't play well tonight. 
get dressed, let's go. So fast forward, we go in there and we win. And we come out and we, I mean, we drill them early. We're up 17 and a half. So we go to Hudson's in Kansas. And uh, my experience being at Southeast didn't really help. National tournament, coaches make mistakes when they get to the tournament because they change routines. Thing I learned at, at Southeastern, we never changed our routine. And so we did the same thing. Anyway, we got beat in the second game uh, by two points. We had a chance to tie to win at the end, but it was a, I had an opportunity in that. We were ahead 10 points going into half, right before half, and we let them hit a three-point shot at the buzzer. And we came in, I told the fellas, I said, you know, one can, possession can change. I said, this is for future. That shot make, is a big difference. And as it turned out, it was, because if they don't make that, we still win the game. Right. But anyway, we, we come back, we win two more games. The other, one of the other reasons is that I, during all that time before, I really, I lost my confidence as a coach. And I lost my why, job. why do you think that happened? I lost my job and I thought it was worth it. I thought I'd failed. And so therefore I lost confidence in myself, which is something that as a coach, I had never experienced. I never experienced that as a player. What that did for me was it gave me my confidence back, but also what it did because we played the next two games we played in Hutchinson, Kansas, is we played schools that we played when I was at Southeast. One of them was Indian Hill, and we beat Indian Hills for fifth place. So that helped. That helped, that helped validate that I could still coach. Right. And then that led me to my first Division One job. Okay. Um, I was hired uh, in the spring. Todd Kowalczyk hired me. University of Wisconsin. So, so let's let's talk about that transformation. What's the difference between that jump? Well, it's a it's a it's a major jump. You know, first of all, you know, having been at Division Two, it helped a little bit because I've been used to the four the four year level, um, and the rules of the NCA and things like that. Right. Um, but the I the the amount of the things that went into the Division One program, and also just the ideas of facilities and things like that, like. I was amazed what we had. And that's um, a mid-major. That's a mid-major, low-major. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I, it, was a, it was a great experience for me because I learned some things about the Division One level, first of all. The second thing I learned, recruiting at junior college is totally different from recruiting at Division One. And how is that? Um, because at the Division One level, you're already, you're already earmarking guys or finding guys when they're freshmen or eighth grade and, and tracking them all the way through. We had our recruiting list from sophomore on up already at Green Bay. And in the spring, we were already calling coaches about freshmen. So, so, so let's, let's talk about that. That's interesting. So um, why is that? And why does it start so young? Well, part of, you know, more than anything is that within the, within the rules of NCAA basketball, because you can't talk to the kid. But making contact with the coach right away, because then the coach can talk to the kid and say, hey, listen, Green Bay has interest, because then the kid can call you. And so you can, you know, depending on each kid, because some kids, like, they, when they when they find out that something we called or our Division One, they'll, they'll call right away. They're excited. First right. Division One opportunity. Right. So then you can start developing a relationship. Okay. And so as opposed to trying to develop a relationship. And you, in that phone call, do you explain to them that you can't call them? Yes. Okay. Yes. What we, because what we say, what I, what I used to say was, look, listen, we can't call you, but you can call us anytime you want. Okay. And you can come take unofficial visits anytime you want. Right. There's no limitation on that. Okay. And so, so you get a jump start, and you want it, you want to start because I think it's hard to get a kid. Now, some guys can do it at times, but if you're going to start recruiting a kid his senior year. You're done. 
it's going to be hard to beat a lot of guys on the kid because other guys are ahead of you. And unless you just have the wow factor. Now, you know, if, if Green Bay and Marquette, Milwaukee are recruiting a kid, and then all of a sudden North Carolina comes in, okay, they can beat you on the kid. Right. So th- those guys, those guys wait longer. But yeah, but the they, guys, when you're recruiting equally or in same levels, you have to, I mean, I mean, you, you see it now, there's kids already committing as juniors. Right. Because of the, the relations. So the recruiting factor there and the idea of recruiting and how to organize it and how, how to have a recruiting plan. I learned a, a, a lot there about that and how to do that. And then Todd, Todd was, um, I learned, a, and because, you know, we had our own, we, we did individual workouts at the junior college. It was a whole different level at Green Bay in terms of, of what Todd did in terms of the organization and how uh, hands-on he was with the junior college level. Usually the head coach just lets the, the assistants do it. And why is that? Well, to try to give them some, I think, credibility with the, with the players. Okay. Uh, and help them with the relationships with the players. The head coach being involved really helps the overall part of it because there's still there's still the head coach there and him she, him being involved. So the players still see that he's there and he's still he's 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 keeping an eye on it. He's worried about it. He's concerned about the players' development, things like that. So I learned a lot about how to progress through that. You know where to start at A and get to Z, and then just um, you know I. The, the game preparation, the scouting aspect of it. Because um, everybody, again, has their own philosophies about that. You know, I, I'm an old, I was an old, and still am for the most part, I'm an old John Wooden or Vince Lombardi guy. Right. <laughs> we're going to do what we do, and we're going to do it the best we can. If it's not good enough, pass off to them. We're going to be ready to play and do what we do. Okay. We're not going to worry about their opponents. So with that, I learned – the other side about at least being able to defensively, we do things a certain way. Right. It doesn't matter what you run. We're going to still guard it the same way. Right. We're always, we're always going to guard staggers the same way. We're going to guard the ball screen. So we have, we have this philosophy of the system in. You got to be aware of what they're going to run. But I, because I know other guys the other way where they, uh, a guy that was on staff with me at Idaho state, the division one, the guy, division one guy he worked for, all they did in practice every day, was work on offense. They never worked on defense. Then when it came time to play the opponent, they would work on defense of how they're going to defend that team completely. That's how they'd worked on their defense. So two different ways to do it. Yeah, and they both then they both can work. Yeah. The guy was really good. Yeah, the, the guy had success at where but but Todd was very detailed and our scouting reports were long. I picked some things up there too about tendencies and so I so I was able to learn a lot there. Right. Which again it's about learning along that process. So then what happened? How long did you stay there? I was there one year, and then Joe O'Brien, who I had worked with at Southeastern, he gets the head coaching job at Idaho State uh, a couple of years before that. But he has a guy leave on his staff, and he calls and wants to know. I actually called him about – I was looking at some head coaching jobs at the junior college level. Okay. And I called him for – I said, hey, listen, I'm involved in these jobs. Could you make a call for me? He said, sure. And then two days later, he calls me back and say, hey, listen. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like. Leave a review. We love those five-star reviews. We're going to leave a one-star. You can skip to the next podcast. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better.
you know, the guy's name's irrelevant because he, but he was, he had been on our staff. I knew him. He goes, Hey, he's leaving. He's taking a job. He's going to, he's going to go back to school and get his PhD. Would you come out here? So I made the move to Idaho state. I worked for him for three years and then he retired. And then I was fortunate to stay on. So I was at Idaho state for 10 years. I learned the other side of division one basketball. I mean, Green Bay was the great setup in terms of you, you didn't have, you didn't need any, you know, you, if you needed something, you had, right. Then I went to Idaho state. They were always strapped for money. There was a big losing culture there. People there were awesome. Community was awesome. Our kids were, but you always had to fight the stigma of Idaho state because people. Right. And, were, and where could you recruit in Idaho? Did you, you can't recruit Idaho. Can you? You know, it, it, when I got there, no, but, but, that, but that by the time I left, yes. They, there was actually, I mean, a, a interesting story. Five, six years ago, we had two kids right in, in, our, in Pocatello, Idaho, that were Division One players. Okay. We had another young man 45 minutes away from him. Not one of them came to Idaho State. See, that, you, you got to get those. And they went off and played other places. And then fortunately for us, one of them came back okay. and played for them. Um, but that was the thing is that there was a, a negative attitude about Idaho State. But there were a lot of really good things there. It was a hard job. It's probably one of the toughest jobs in Division One basketball. Um, and it's an interesting part about it because the second coach I worked for there, when he got the job, he said to me, first thing I want to find out and want to and learn is why the previous six guys before me failed here. Because they were all really good coaches. And it was a very interesting, I mean, it was an interesting then- statement. But it's also very factual. All the guys before him had all won everywhere they'd been and at a high levels. And they couldn't win at Idaho State. And part of it, a lot of it was just that we were, we were at a disadvantage. The mentality was you couldn't think that way. And so you learned to fight and claw. And the bottom line, what it eventually came down to is we just get, get, didn't get good enough. You know, and, <laughs> There's and, two and, types and, of and coaches. There's coaches with players and ex-coaches. And to get good players, you know, in a place like that, you have to win. But we had, and I'll give you a great example. We were recruiting, and you'll recognize this name, people in the Midwest especially. We had a young man on our campus. It was his first college visit. And he only took two visits. His name was Mike Dahl okay. from South Dakota State. Mike Dom visited us and South Dakota State. Mike Dom, when he decided to go to South Dakota State, you know, his family were very complimentary of us, but said, coach, coaches, the thing that separated was their facilities are so much better than what you had. And then, uh, as we well know, look what he did. Right. But, I mean, th- we'd miss on kids like that. And then you'd have other guys in your league who are getting guys drafted. Right. You know, you know Weber State and Montana and – those people are traditionally are strong programs. The thing was is that sometimes what happens, people and players start believing they can't win there. And right. That, and and, then, they, and the problem is you need alums to pour some money into it if you're going to win because you got to build facilities. Yeah, and they, you know, and that was the thing is that we didn't get a lot of that. Um, and so eventually we didn't, we weren't successful there. Right. But it was a great, an unbelievable experience there. I mean, if I could have stayed with the new guy, I would have stayed there. I loved Idaho State. I loved living in Pocatello. Um, and there's a lot of great people there, both in the department on campus and in the community. Right. They're, they're, you can't blame the department if they don't have the money. It's not their fault, you know. Right. It's not, you know. And, and, I, and, you know, and so it's, it's hard. And so, but it was a great experience for me because the one thing for me was, you know, everywhere I'd been, even as a high school coach, we had it all. You had, you had what you needed. We yes. had what we needed. Southeastern, we had, a great, we, had, we had a great budget at Southeastern. Probably better than we had at Iowa State overall. Seriously. <laughs> but what... I learned one of the things I learned from the experience at Idaho State was just because 
the situation maybe is not as different or it's not, you can't, you don't need to change. You need to right. keep, you still need to stand for what you stand for and still work the same way you work. And you try to change the, the environment. Don't change because of the environment. And so that obviously allowed me, because there, there was a lot, a lot of days that when you're not used to losing, there's a lot of uh, questioning. Uh, a lot of dark, a lot of dark, a lot of dark days. Yeah, dark days, you know. Uh, and then, so anyway, out of a job, and uh, again, same thing. Hard finding a job. Um, it's hard when you your last nine years at the Division One level, you've only had one winning season. You're not exactly a hot commodity at Division One basketball. So went through a lot of, got a lot of no's, had a couple interviews. Didn't, didn't get those jobs. Uh, I was in July and still didn't have a job. And obviously there were still jobs open, still fighting for them. And then uh, Luke Strage, who's the head coach at Mineral Area, Mineral Area College. Now Luke is from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. But I got to know Luke because Luke came to Quincy a few years after I had left Quincy. I had so many friends in Quincy. I, lived, I was in Quincy for 16 years. Right, you know. <laughs> I knew it. I mean, it was my, like my second home. And so anyway, Luke and I got to know each other. And then... Right. We have a, had a group of guys, still have a group of guys. Every year at the Final Four, we get together and watch the games together. Right. So I had known Luke for a long time. So Luke calls and said, hey, listen, I've got an assistance job open here. It doesn't pay a whole lot. Um, I don't know. I hope I'm not insulting you with even talking about it. Um, but I've got a job. If you're interested in it, think about it. And, uh, and I, was, uh, I was, ironically, I was in Missouri at the time, and I was getting ready to play a golf tournament, <laughs> of all things. Okay. And I said, hey, listen, I've got a couple other things working. And I did. I had some other Division One assistant jobs working still. I said, I got a couple things working, but I think there's probably going to be a resolution within the next 10 to 14 days on those. Right. And I have a little time. I'll tell you, when I give you my word, right. because he, the reason he had job opens, because he had two guys he'd hired in the spring. And already, they'd already left and took other jobs. Loyalty and your word is important to me. And so right. anyway, I told him, I said, I'm in. If When I call you, time went on. I called him and said, I'm in. And uh, ironically, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I had, I, I had some a Division One school call me shortly after that. And I think I was going to get the job. Okay. But either way. Are you weren't going to, yeah. I said, burn, I've got a job. Burn a bridge like, you burn a bridge like that, you're never getting another job. And I said, I, I'm going back. I'm going to go to Mineral Area College. And so, and it was an unbelievable year. Um, and in a number of ways, because I felt, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way. I felt the last few years and many of my years at Idaho State, I was never utilized as well as I could have been. Right. I thought I had more to add that I was asked to do. Now, again, everybody has their staff and you have your responsibility and you, you do that and you stay loyal. And I did. Um, but I felt like I wasn't coaching a whole lot. I got a chance to coach again. You know, he came in, he says, you're in charge of the defense. And so that was my baby. And obviously we met, we talked about what we we're going to do. Head coach still has the final say. So I got to do it. And then the, the second thing is, is we had an unbelievable year uh, with a young team. Uh, we had a number of freshmen um, going in, Luke felt we could be good, didn't know how good, but we ended up go 30 and two and have an outstanding season. And in one of those years, with exception to winning the national championship, it's about as good as you can do. Right. And so it, it, it has been a, it's been a remarkable, uh, it's been a remarkable year. So, so let, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, we were talking about what you look for in a recruit. What's your radius for a recruit? Well, our radius, we're, 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 we're somewhat, uh, um, geographically centralized and what I mean 
we, we will recruit kids outside um, our area. Like, you know, we do, we do a lot of recruiting in St. Louis because it's close okay. and in the Midwest because, you know, we practice at one every day. So there's a lot of places you can get to by driving. You know, you can get the, you can get the Memphis in three hours. Okay. Like that so you can spread your wings a little bit. Now, we do branch off because of people we know. Right. People we, we, you know, Luke was a Division One assistant coach, too, at one time. So we know a lot of people in business. Um, you know, we had, we had two international kids on our team this year. But we recruit out of need of who, what we need. And so if it takes us somewhere else outside our, our radius, then we go there. Right. Um, but, like, our, you know, th- our team this past year, two kids from Springfield, Illinois, you know, really? two and a half hours away. Okay. Uh, one kid from Cincinnati, Ohio. We had a kid from the Netherlands. We had a kid from New Zealand. So how we do you connect? Where are the connections? Connections and just uh, coaches over there that know somebody we know, and they send us video. Okay. And then and follow through. And part of that is previous connections. Yeah, like where we were at before. So um, what's your biggest challenge as a coach? My biggest challenge as a coach? Staying in the present. Sometimes I... <laughs> I think we all have that problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> But my biggest challenge in, in, in it, and it's not to make, not to sound, but my biggest challenge is to, to, to be positive with the guys. Right. Um, I have a little negativity in my nature just because that was the way I was coached first. I think I've become much better at it. We all can always get better. But maintaining that, my, my composure to not get negative. You know, I think that losing actually helped me with that in the aspect of it, some part, and then this year, you know, I, because I, I mean, again, I think staying positive and being positive with your kids really helps them be more successful. My other challenge is under is is understanding the. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this correctly. The understand of way the way our game is going. Right. And I don't mean that as a. I mean a little bit as as as, as the game but also trying to get another job. Because I mean, it's, it's it, it, the, the world is looking for Giannis's. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I mean, personally, yep. I, living in Wisconsin, I think we were going to have one of the best players in the world by the time he's done. No question. They should literally give him the city of Milwaukee to keep him. Oh, um, yeah. Because that's that he's 24 years old. Like, oh, my God. That's like, no a, NBA, that's like an NBA body. So I think that's the, the – the, the, I think Shaq still plays. I think Duncan still plays. Some of those guys still play. But the, but that world of the big, 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 big guy. It's gone. You better be Lopez. You better be able to shoot threes. You better be able yeah. to extend. No question about it. Because the game's just changed. It really has. You know. Um, we, and we play that way. I mean, we, we, play, we play with a, a non-conventional five. Right. You know, really what he is is a power forward. And really, he's really not a power forward. He's a stretch for you know. I mean, I'm power. looking at my team. I'm looking at my team over the next three or four years. We're going to be guard, guard heavy, you know, and average size guards, which is, you know, five, ten years ago, that would have freaked me out. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it I doesn't should... anymore. It's just like, okay, you know, well, we'll adjust because the game's kind of, I mean, it's... it really has, you know, it's positionless basketball for the most part. It you really know, is. Um, it really is. And it's, you know, that's, we play Luke, Luke, uh, when he was a Division One assistant, one of the times he would. One of his boss had been an assistant to John Beeline. Okay. So we play, we run a lot of, you know, the similar things of what Beeline, Coach Beeline ran. I think he's done. You think John's done? I think he's done. You know, I don't know. I, I hear rumblings from people that I know that know him that he misses it a little bit, I think, but I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, he got paid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> 
It's like your your retirement sets. Like you don't have to coach anymore if you don't want yeah, to. I don't know if he is or not, but so but that's how we play. So we have I mean, that, guys. That's play. interesting. Um, what do you think the hardest thing to teach is? Um, you know, I it's funny you asked it because I actually wrote some things down. I think one of the hardest things is playing without the ball. I don't think kids know how to move without the ball anymore. Um, yeah, we run a we run a hybrid of read and react and dribble drive. So it's kind of a common. It's probably it's probably eighty percent read and react and ten twenty percent right. dribble drive. Uh -huh. They have such a hard time if they if they're if they're on the opposites. It's so hard for them off the ball. Oh, it really is. So I mean, it, hard for them. It's uh, and it tends to be the same things. Like if I'm a, if I'm in a cutter, if I'm a cutter, I'm just going to cut every time. I'm not going to do anything unique. You know. Yeah, that's and that's I think you know. And with that, kids don't really know how to play the game anymore. They know how to do specific things. They don't know how to play the game um, in the aspect of being able to just do something in the flow of the game or something's taken away. You know, that's, you know, again, I learned on the playgrounds and I don't mean playgrounds, like just go hoop it, but you figured things out on your own because, you know, again, we had no contact with our coaches. We couldn't. No. And I was younger. We didn't, it didn't matter. We didn't have coaches. So right. we play, you figure things out yourself. Yeah. Because I used to, you know, and we used to have this discussion all the time. I used to do it at clinics. And I'd ask guys, so you, do you think kids know how to play the game? Yeah. They go, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd say, okay. And I'd pull my six guys out. And I'd go, okay, let's play three on three. And one guy would dribble the ball. The other guy would stand. The other guy would stand. Or the one guy would run underneath the basket and the other would cross. That's all I knew how to do. And i go, okay, stop. I said, that, is that knowing how to play the game? Because they don't. They don't know. Or not. And now the thing is, is you say, you know, we, we run uh, – I've run it for years, but here about 10 years ago, four and four shell and just run motion and just play. And the first thing they want to do is ball screen. That's they the do. only other thing they know what to do now. I know. And so I think moving without the ball, I think, um, you know, part of that is also spacing. You know, kids, kids want to come to the ball as opposed to get away from the ball. Yep. And they don't, yes. And I, I I, and I'm worried, this is me being a math teacher, I'm worried the quarantine's going to magnify this. The lack of, I think they're, because they're, it's all going to be, it's all, all they can do is individual stuff right now. Exactly right. So it's like, God, is the game going to shift because of this? Um, yeah, anyway, I, I, I just, I think, I think spacing and movement, I want to, I want to invent something where they wear a vest and when they get too close to each other, they get shocked. It'd be great. Uh, you know, <laughs> It'd be a great idea. Or, or for younger kids, it like beeps or big oh, yeah, red yeah. thing. Absolutely. Because they don't understand, and it would work for all sports. Um, I just, I'm patenting that. If anyone steals it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> steal it so don't steal that. But no, we for soccer, anymore. yeah. If you ever watch little kids play soccer, it's like they're all in little clumps. Oh, believe me. You I know, watched it for quite a few years, and it was. Yeah, it was, hard, it was hard to watch. It's, it, but that's what happens. It's like there's no spacing. Um, yeah. I agree. So, is there one success or one failure that you've had in your career that would be interesting or a learning thing for the listener? I don't think, to be honest with you, well, it's a generic or what. There, there's a, there's so many things that, that I've that, experienced that, success to put my finger on one. Okay. But what what I'll say is this, um, and it's going to basically allude to. Uh, the idea of being a coach and an educator. I think my my greatest success, watching those guys walk across the stage and get their diploma, and with that, watching what 
and seeing what these guys have become. Because, you know, like you said, I've been coaching for a long time, 37 years. Right. Where they went from there, that to me is, it's not necessarily my success, but I had part, I was a part of that, their success. Because they're doctors and, you know, the old saying, you know, they used to ask Coach Wood and how can you tell, ask me in 20 years. Right. You right. know, and, and, so ask you, me, and I can tell you in five, are they coming back and seeing me? Do they say hi to me when I walk in and they're working? Absolutely. At the you like, know? you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then my, I would say the one that still sticks in my head to this day, I lost the game for my team. I lost the game um, because I lost talking about being in the present. We were playing a game and we were ahead and we had control of the basketball game and we were going to be playing Indian Hills three days later. And Indian Hills was in the gym. Wow. And they started pressing us. And we had our press offense. And it's something we've always done. I didn't want to go to a different press offense because I didn't want them seeing us. The second part of that was, is I should have took my inbounder out of the game. That's where I failed my team. Because he panicked. Right. And we turned it over a couple of times. They got it back in. And then we lost the game. I think, I think young coaches underestimate who throws that ball in. Oh, it's, it's, you know, and for me, that's, that's one of those things. Making that move from the assistant coach spot to the head coaching spot, there's a lot that it entails and a lot of different things. And you have to experience that you, you, even when you're a sophomore coach, you do those things, but then you become assistant for a number of years. Those things kind of get out of your mind a little bit. They do. And, uh, but that, I would say that's I tell, I tell people you know, that's the biggest, that's the biggest one foot or two feet in, basketball is that there's no question about it there's no doubt about my, my, it I, I used to i had an assistant god for 10 15 years he goes i got the best seat in the house steve he goes what do you mean i'm oh, he goes i'm your varsity assistant you know i get all the accolades and i don't have half the headaches <laughs> absolutely there's a lot there's a lot to be said about that so, <laughs> I mean, when you, become, you become this it's like becoming the, the ceo of the company as opposed to just being a regional manager right now you're the decision maker Right now, it you does change. It's buck, easy to give advice. The, the the buck stops with me. It does. Absolutely. All right. So so last question. This is the question I always ask at the end: is if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Be more be uh, be more positive. Okay. And and by that, and I mean and probably uh, be less less emotional. I was pretty fired up as a young coach. I was too. You know what I mean? And because I'll tell you what. And part of the reason, because that's the way all my coaches were. Yeah, I think, and but but I think part, you know of, I mean? it is, part of it is youth too. I think was, you're right. I think there was only right. one. There was only one guy that I played for in my entire entire coaching career that wasn't, and that was Ken Anderson in Eau Claire. Right. He was very stoic. He was now, inside, you know, but he was not that way. But everybody else was a, you know, that way, and so. And my, the coach I went to, me, oh, my guy that gave me my first job, he was that way. Right. And so that was kind of how – and I was kind of a uh, – I wasn't an emotional player, but I was a very aggressive. And and so that was kind of my personality. A lot of energy, yeah, like me too. Yeah, I'd be the one diving on the floor, taking the charge. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but as time – like you said, as time went on, I've – I mean, if some of my former players – in the early years, saw me now. They probably go, "Is that really him?" Well, you'll love this. Wesley always comes back to practice, and he'll like take the bottom four guys, and you know, it's fun. The NBA guy shows up. The kids love it. Anyway, he always does. He did it this year, and every year he goes, 
coach, man, you're getting soft. Oh yeah. He goes, yeah. you're getting soft. I go, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you were all over. I go, I understand Wesley. That was like Oh four Oh five. That was, that was 15 years ago. You know, right. he goes, Oh, you've gotten soft coach. You've gotten soft. <laughs> See, I've oh. learned to be, I've learned to be, I tell you the thing I've done, like you said, it comes with age. I'm still, and, and it's funny because one of the guys I worked for, he took it. It was funny. I, I've always been very demanding, but fair, not demeaning. Demanding, right. but not demeaning. I had a guy that actually worked for me. He said, you got to be quit being so negative. And I was just like, all due respect, coach. I'm just being demanding. I, I, they have to, they need to be held accountable for what's expected. I said, right. I said, I'm not all about, I said, again, I'm, I'm not, and so I, if I was calling them bad names and it was negative, it's not negative. I'm just. I'm in, trying to reinforce what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the old, you know, follow negative with three positives, things like that. I do a lot of that just because of that. Right. Because kids aren't used to people being demanding anymore. Um, they want it, but they don't want it. They want it and they don't know how to deal with it when you give it to them. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, that was, yeah. I think that was one of the things with our kids this year. They, they understood the message, not the messenger. Right. They didn't take it personal. Right. Um, they understood it was for something to make them better, make the team better. And that, and that made, and, and that's unique. That's unique. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think part of that was my tone of voice because I, it was more calming. I used to yell a lot and not someone like crazy yell, like you, like you even go to games now, coaches are yelling right. the whole time. Right. But they just tune you out. I use the whole Bobby Knight. If I yell at you all, it's like, if I come in the locker room and I light them up, like they can tell you the two times I've done that. Oh yeah. And it has a lot more impact. Sure does. Then if I'm going and yelling, I, it, I, I bet I can, on one hand, the number of times I actually yelled at my guys this year, right. but they, but, but they, but when I do it, it has the effect. It normally has the effect it needs to have. There's, there's like, no question. Dad's upset. Basically. Absolutely. You know, I got in an accident with the car. Dad's upset. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of thing. All right. Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks I really, so much, Steve. I really appreciate yeah. that. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like. Leave a review. We love those five-star reviews. We're going to leave a one-star. You can skip to the next podcast. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.